when you're up against a wall and your mountain seems so tall and you realize that life's not always fair you can run away and hide let the old man decide or you can change your circumstances with a prayer when everything falls apart praise his name when you have a broken heart raise your hands and say lord you're all i need you're everything to me and he'll take the pain away when it seemed you're all alone praise his name when you feel you can't go on raise your hands and say greater is he that is within me you can praise the hurt away if you just praise his name oh you can overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the Praise His name when you have a broken heart. Raise your hands and say, Lord, you're all I need. You're everything to me, and He'll take the pain away. When it seems you're all alone, Praise His name when you feel you can't go home. Raise your hands and say, Greater is He that is within me. You can praise the hurt away. Praise the hurt. 
Somebody say praise the Lord. That's what we're going to do. Praise his name. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to the book of Habakkuk. Turn to the book of Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 4. Uh, as we continue our sermon series on pre-decide, the book of Habakkuk. Now, don't try to be spiritual. Go ahead and go to your table of contents and look at what page it's on. <laughs> or you'll end up flipping and you'll just stop. And you're in Micah and trying to not let everybody know you couldn't find Habakkuk. So it's okay to go ahead and look it up. We are on a series called Predecide, And the idea is that the quality of our decisions determine the quality of our lives. How you're, you, the, the better your decisions are, the better your life is. And the thing is... You don't want to wait till you get in the heat of the moment to try to make a good decision. There are some decisions you could decide ahead of time that this is what you're going to do. Studies and social psychologists have said the more decisions you make in a day, we make thousands. The more you make, the more tired your decision-making muscle or faculty gets. And so you want to pre-decide when I get here, this is what I'm going to do. You pre-decide how you're going to act. And so we talked about pre-deciding to be ready for temptation. We talked about pre-deciding to be devoted to Jesus. We talked about pre-deciding to be generous. And we talked about pre-deciding to be consistent. Today we're going to talk about pre-deciding to be faithful. Everybody say faithful. So look at Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, reading out of the New International Version today. And the Bible says this, See, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright. They're proud, in other words. But the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. There's a guy named John O'Leary I've told you about before. He's a guy that when he was 9 years old was burned over 100% of his body. It's a very awful situation. The medical staff at the hospital he was brought to did not think he would survive. But he did survive. Gave his life to Christ to become a successful author, successful speaker, and a successful podcaster. I enjoy listening to his podcast. He's really, really good at it. And uh, you can tell he works hard. Several of the people that I've listened to. In fact, I, was, I wrote this message earlier in the week. And I was listening to one of his podcasts yesterday. And the guy's like, boy, you really do your homework, don't you? <laughs> He's like, yeah, I do. And, uh, and several of them, the guy yesterday, several of them have said, I've really enjoyed this. I've enjoyed this more than I thought I would. Because a lot of times it's authors and people like that. And they're doing a lot of podcasts, promote their book. But he does what he calls the Live Inspired. He's, he's written two books. In all, uh, is one of the books that on fire is the other one about the accident that he had. And his podcast is called Live Inspired. And so he has seven questions at the end. He asks everybody, and uh, they're called the Live Inspired Seven. One of those questions I want to focus on just for a second is, he says, it's been said that all great people can have their lives summed up in one sentence. How would you like yours to read? And think about that for a minute. All great people, and we'll just say ordinary people, can have their lives summed up in one sentence. How would you like your one sentence to read? Here's some of the answers. His mom, whom he had on his podcast, because uh, she was the one who took care of him through all those tragic times and hurtful days. And she said, um, she would like her life. This, this is not what they think it would be, what they would want it to be. Everybody say want. Yeah. She said, I would want mine to say, she came to know the Lord and love him and tried her best to pass that love on to her family and friends. That's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, another guy um, who is a, a leadership guru, a, a public speaker, he said, I would love for people to mind to say, he taught us how to live the greatest days of our lives. It's not bad for a speaker and an author. Another guy uh, who was on the podcast, who's also a speaker and author, and um, he's, um, he's, he talks about a lot about how not to be stressed out 
and uh, this, the cure for adultitis. He said, don't settle for the life you've been told you should live. Create the life you were created to live. It's not bad either, is it? Pretty good. Uh, Gary Sinise, he's an, he's an actor. He was on Forrest Gump. You may have heard of him. He was on the podcast one time, and he said he would love his one sentence to be, he was a servant. Interesting for an actor. One more, one more. Uh, this guy was um, a guy named Joel Bogus. He was an author and inspirational speaker. Had a devastating fall when he was five years old. Was severely injured and kind of fought his way back from that. He said if he could have one word, uh, one sentence, it would be, Joel was a guy who just wouldn't give up. He just wouldn't give up. Well, I thought about it because we're talking about one word. How's your one word going this year? So I, I looked up on a particular internet site and where people were asked to describe your life. Not what you want it to be. What's your life like right now? Pretty sad. One of them, uh, so the answers were like alone, uh, pointless, sad, incomplete, okay, maybe, thriving, which is a good one. Then my favorite one, my favorite one, the question is, what's one word that best describes your life? And one guy said, unable to follow directions. <laughs> which is really my favorite one of all. I had to have that one in there. I heard about a pastor a couple of weeks ago, and he was talking talk to some of his people in his congregation, some of the leader, business leaders and things like that. And he asked him that same question, what would you like for your one word to be? One word to sum up your life. And he said things like, uh, successful, influential, you know, leadership, um, happy. And, and he said he thought about that because Jesus, we're going to talk about a word that Jesus is really big on today. There's one word that Jesus really has a lot to say about. It means a lot to him. In fact, when Jesus tells somebody that they did well, he has this word in it. Jesus said to his servant, well done, thou good and isn't that interesting? That's the word that Jesus, that's a big word for Jesus. So faithfulness should be a big word for you and I since it was such a big word for Jesus. So what we want to do today is ask God to show us some areas that we're going to pre-decide to be faithful in. To pre-decide, Lord, I will be faithful. Now, it's not easy. It's often hard. It's often difficult. It's often kind of fighting against the flow to be faithful. Also, oftentimes it has a cost that comes along with it. But if you are faithful, it pays off big time one day, doesn't it? Some of you, um, when you're in the middle of taking a final exam, you're really glad you were faithful to study hard for it. <laughs> some of you, when your car breaks down, you're really glad you were faithful to set aside some money for a rainy day. Uh, some of you, when you wake up and it's your 45th wedding anniversary, you're really glad that you and your spouse were faithful uh, to each other. Uh, some of you, when company unexpectedly shows up, you're really glad you're faithful to keep a clean house. Some of you, when uh, Saturday night comes, you're really, really glad you're faithful to prepare for your message all week. That's actually for me, not anybody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of places where faithfulness, it's kind of hard, it's kind of difficult, sometimes it goes against the flow, but it's really, really helpful. It really, really pays off. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. He's living in a difficult day. And in this verse, Habakkuk, uh, God has told him that an enemy army is coming in to invade. Uh, they're going to destroy the people. They're prideful. And, and Habakkuk is really struggling with this. So he's going through a hard time. And God says, see, the enemy, these people that's going to come and destroy your land, they're prideful. Their desires aren't right, but he said, here's the thing. The righteous person will live 
Some versions say we'll live by faith. Uh, New International says live by his faith. Most versions say we'll live by his faithfulness. In other words, during the hard times, the righteous person, the person that belongs to God, the person that wants to please God, he will live faithfully with God in the midst of very difficult times. In fact, the word for faith there. As I said, it's sometimes translated faith, sometimes faithfulness. In this context, it really does mean faithfulness because it means they're going to be faithful despite going through a hard time. And this particular word means steadfastness. It has the idea of trustworthiness, the idea of someone that is certainly dependable. Everybody say dependable. Don't you love to have dependable friends? In fact, faithfulness is the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, 23 says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You see, we develop faithfulness because God is faithful. That's a characteristic of God. And we can be faithful to Him because He first has been faithful to us. And so I want to talk about it because we could talk about a lot of different areas And I would ask you today to ask the Lord for a specific area where you need to be faithful in. It may be in your prayer life. It may be in your quiet time. It may be in your church life. It may be something with your children. It may be something with your career. But what is an area of your life? Ask God, what's an area of my life that I need to kind of double down or recommit or reaffirm? Because I love Jesus, I'm going to be faithful right here has to be born out of a love for Jesus and when Jesus talks about faithfulness and there's a lot of places we could go with this but he typically has three big areas we're going to talk about these today three big areas Jesus talks about being faithful how we treat people is a big area that Jesus talks about how we steward resources in other words how we take the capabilities God's given us and use them for his glory and how we respond to God, how we obey God when he prompts us. And so we're going to say it a little bit differently. We're going to say it this way. We're going to say that every interaction is an opportunity to add value to somebody's life, all right? Every interaction you have is an, is an opportunity to add value. Every resource, every cap- capability you have is an opportunity to multiply, to multiply it, to help somebody else to the glory of God. And every prompting is an opportunity to obey God. So let's dig in. First of all, we're going to talk about it this way, contacts. First of all, contacts. We need to be faithful in our contacts. And what I mean by that is our interaction with other people. Contacts socially, contacts at work, when you talk to people in your family, when you're out about in your everyday life. But in all the conversations, emails, texts, whatever it is, in your contacts, we want to be faithful to add value. Everybody say add value. Add value to somebody else's life. And so we're going to pre-decide today. And this is a really cool challenge for you this week. That every person you meet, I'm going to, because I love Christ, and because I belong to him, and because I'm forgiven, because he's provided for me, because I know I'm going to heaven when I die, because I'm saved, I want to show God's love. I want somebody else to meet this fantastic God that I followed in love with. Isn't that a great thing? So, well, I, I, I thought about a prayer this week that I heard a guy named Jack Frost, real name, <laughs> It's his real name, uh, and I've mentioned this prayer several times, but I've not been 
very faithful to pray this lately, so perhaps some of you haven't as well. Some of you have never heard it before. So here's a prayer that Jack Frost uh, would challenge people to pray a lot of times. Lord, fill my heart with your love and help me give it away the very next person I meet. See, what I love about that prayer is different from, Lord, lead me to share your love with somebody today. And then you're looking around trying, is it him, is it her, is it them, is it who? who? No, Lord, fill my heart with your love. Help me to get away to the very next person I meet. In fact, that's your weekly growth suggestion this week. Your weekly growth suggestion is to pray this prayer as often as you think about it. I would encourage you to pray it several times on your way to work, when you're about to walk in the door at home, when you're about to walk into Walmart, whatever it is, to pray this prayer, Lord, fill my heart with your love, help me give it away to the very next person I meet, and it so dovetails into what we're praying this month, which is divine appointments. And by the way, Man, I've heard some really cool stories about divine appointments this week. Uh, this last Wednesday night in our prayer, in prayer meeting, we always start off with something we want to thank God or praise God for. That's some really cool divine appointments that were shared in uh, Wednesday night church this last week. And so that's what we want to do, pre-decide that we're going to do this. Because here's the thing, you're not going to accidentally add value to somebody's life. You're not going to accidentally encourage somebody. You're not going to accidentally just kind of stumble into this. And the reason why is because we're selfish. We're usually focused on ourselves. Uh, here's how you know. If somebody shows you a picture, and it's you and eight other people in that picture, who's the first person you look at? <laughs> and if it's a good picture of you, it's a good picture. And if you got your eyes closed and your mouth open, it doesn't matter what everybody else looks like, it's a bad picture. And if somebody post a picture of you because it's good of them and you have your eyes closed, they should have their Facebook and Instagram taken away from them, right? Just ought to have it ripped away, take the camera out of their phone because they don't really love you. Here's the thing. When you're thinking about yourself, what do they think of me? What kind of impression am I making? What am I going to say next? When you're thinking about yourself, you're not adding value. When you turn it around and you're having a conversation and instead of thinking about, do they like me? Do they like this shirt? Is my hair weird? Instead of thinking that way, if you're thinking, how can I encourage this person? How can I bless this person? How can I help this person? What way could I be generous to this person? How can I add value to this person's life? That's going to change not only your life, that's going to change the lives of the people around you. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 is a great verse. You'd love for everybody to be faithful to this verse. Look at what it says. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Everybody say their needs. So, so no unwholesome word. Don't talk ugly. But talk about what can help somebody else, what will benefit those who listen. I would love for everybody that talks to me this week to obey that verse. <laughs> wouldn't you? Wouldn't, that be, wouldn't the world be a different place if everybody that talked to you and everybody you talked to thought, you know what, my biggest goal in this conversation is to benefit them. My biggest goal is conversation is to help them follow Jesus a little bit closer. It's to build them up. Probably wouldn't complain about the weather a lot. Probably wouldn't complain about politics a lot. Probably wouldn't complain about your sore foot a lot. I mean, just think about it. This is how Jesus was. 
right? This is how Jesus was. When the woman was called in adultery, Jesus did what? He spoke in a way that would benefit her. He didn't say, all right, you made your bed, now lay in it. May kind of be a little bit of a problem, but... Anyway, she, um, she's in this problem, and Jesus says, all right, who, he who was out sin cast the first stone, although he believed, and he says to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and don't do this sin anymore. Go and sin anymore. What's he doing? He's benefiting. He's helping. When Jesus talks about worry, and, uh, and of course, probably people are probably worried when he's talking about worry, right? He doesn't say, man, you ought to be worried. This world's gone crazy. Have you seen the news lately? Dude, you have so much to worry about. Not what Jesus said. He said, oh, man, look at the birds. Like, dude, I'm worried about finances and Russia and China and Iran and Ukraine and all that kind of, well, I got time to go bird watching, Jesus. No, no, no. If you see how God takes care of the birds, he's going to take care of you as well. And think back, what? How God was faithful then, he's going to be faithful now. Jesus speaks to benefit those that he's around. When Peter denied Jesus, Jesus didn't out him. Jesus didn't say, I'm done with you. No. In fact, before he did that, Jesus said, you're going to deny me, but when you are converted, when you turn back, build up your brothers. I know you're going to fail. You're going to fail miserably, and you're going to fail publicly, and you're going to win. It's going to be horrible. But it's not the end of your story, Peter. It's not the end of your story. So when you turn back, I'm going to forgive you, and, and you're going to be the first. He didn't tell him this, but Peter ends up being the first Pentecostal preacher, and 3,000 people get saved when he preaches. Pretty cool stuff. That's speaking in a way that benefits. So let me ask you a question. How might somebody benefit from a word from you. You have the ability to bless somebody, to benefit somebody, to share with somebody in a way that nobody else does. Somebody else can say thank you. Somebody else can say I love you. Somebody else can say you're a role model. But when it comes from you, it just means something so differently. Uh, I heard Craig Rochelle uh, he's pastor of the largest church in America, and it's not our health and wealth church. He's a really solid guy. And when he was being ordained, he was in the leaders of his denomination seminary were people that were looking at his ordination. And uh, when he went for his first ordination council, his pastor wasn't a part of it. It was part of the leaders of the denomination. At his first ordination council, they failed him. He said, he said I was crushed. He's in seminary. He's already doing some ministry kind of stuff. He feels like God's called him to be a pastor. And these guys say, you're not qualified. And he said he got in his geoprism, his little red geoprism, and he drove straight to his pastor's office, and he walked in, and he said, I just fell on his desk crying. Partly because I was driving a geoprism, <laughs> and partly because they had failed me. They told me I wasn't good enough. I didn't pass. And he said, his pastor told him, Craig, listen to me. Listen to me, Craig. No man can stop what God has called you to do. And he said, that's why I didn't quit. One word from somebody that I, somebody else could have said that, and it wouldn't have meant that much, but it came from somebody he respected and knew, loved him. Second thing I want you to see is our capabilities. 
We not only want to be faithful with our context, but our capabilities, our personality, our job, our money, the things that God's given us. We want to be generous with those things to bless somebody else. And Jesus told a parable, it's often called the parable of the talents. It's really the bags of gold. He gives them all bags of gold. He gives one guy five bags of gold. He goes out, works hard, invests it, faithful to do what he's called to do. And he gets five more bags, doubles it. Other guy had two bags of gold. And by the way, Jesus said, well done, good and faithful servant. Another guy had two bags of gold. He comes back. He earns two more back, doubled his. Jesus said, well done, now good and faithful. They're faithful. And, you know, he didn't scold that guy. I said, well, you should have got five more back. That guy got five. You know, no, he did. He was faithful to what he had. The other guy took what he had, his one bag of gold, and he hid it. Didn't work with it. Didn't invest it. Didn't try. Didn't try. Everybody say didn't try. He didn't try. And Jesus said, you wicked servant. Like, oh, come on now. That's a little strong. Not, no, Jesus said, I've given you some things. And you're blessed to be a blessing. And you just hid it. And if we take our money and hide it and our personality and hide it and our abilities and hide them and our, and our smiles and just hide them, that's not just that's being unfaithful. That is not being the good and faithful servant. And so and actually the word for faithful when Jesus says our good and faithful servant has a connotation of business dealings. Somebody's faithful in business. And so if you work in business, man, you have a great, that's a great place to be faithful at. You got people to share Christ with that may not ever come to church. You can create services and products that bring value. If you're a, if you're a business owner, man, create a product or a service that adds value. Create one that's good. Create one that people want and use it as an opportunity to honor and glorify God. Listen, guys, that's what this is about. Take it, if you're an employee in a business, be the best employee you can be and you'll have a better opportunity to share Christ with your other employees and possibly with your boss. Heard about a guy, a wealthy guy years and years ago. And a fellow came into his office one day and he said, uh, man, I just really need a job. He said, really? He said, yeah. He said, well, he said, I actually have a job for you. He said, see that pile of bricks over there? He said, yeah. He said, I want you to take that pile of bricks and I want you to carry them to the other side of the yard over there and stack them up real neat. And so the guy did. He went out there, took the pile of bricks to the other side, stacked them up. Right at the end of the day, he got finished, gave him his paycheck. He said, look, uh, I need work. You got anything tomorrow? He said, yeah, come to work tomorrow. And I want you to take that pile of bricks and I want you to put them back where you got them from and stack them up real neat. So without a word, showed up first thing next morning, took the pile of bricks, put them back over there. And he did that for over a week and a half. Pile of bricks there, pile of bricks there. Never word of complaint, never word of why am I doing this. He just did it. They paid him. And at the end of about a week and a half, the guy said, all right, I can trust you. You're my representative for my business now. When I have jobs that need to be bid on or I have things that need to be represented, you're going to be that person because I know you'll do what I say without questioning my authority. That's called faithful, right? That's called faithful. Last of all, we need to be faithful in our callings. And our calling, what I mean by that is faithful to the promptings. Everybody say promptings. 
the promptings of the Holy Spirit, faithful to obey what God's called us to obey. No matter how big it is, how little it is, if we understand it, if it makes sense or not, but when we feel a nudge in our spirit, we're going to be faithful to obey what God is nudging us to do because what God says is more important than anything else. Can I get an amen right there? You see, whatever you might think of, of a, and I struggle with the word here, a great church, you know, a successful church, godly church, you know, whatever word you want to use for the kind of church God wants us to be, God builds his kind of church with faithful people, faithful people. It's not the most talented, it's not the richest, it's not those who have leadership positions in the community necessarily, they're not excluded. But God builds a church on faithful people. When I think about things I'd love to see happen at Hopewell, of course, I'd love to see attendance grow, love to see people get saved, you know, all that kind of stuff. But here's some of the things I, I love to see at Hopewell. I love to see something like this. If an 80-year-old widow comes in and she sits down by herself and her head's hanging down and she's sad, I love to see that 26-year-old lady come slip up beside her, put her arm around her, and say, I just need to tell you what an inspiration you are to me. I just need to let you know all the years here at Hopewell, you've been, you've blessed my life so much. Can I pray for you? Do you know how much a 26-year-old praying for that 80-year-old widow would mean to her? I, I envision the young mother coming in with three children and, you know, her hair's a little in disarray. She's got throw up on her shoulder and she comes in and she's kind of frazzled and she sits in church. And I can just imagine a 75-year-old grandmother coming and sitting beside her and saying, sweetheart, you are doing so good to have your kids in church. You are such a blessing. This is going to be worth it. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. This is going to be worth it one day. When I think of a kind of church that I would love to see God build here, it'd be the kind of church where 10 minutes after church, you have people in the prayer room because somebody said, I had a burden. Would you come pray with me? It's the kind of people who are willing to be real in Sunday school. The kind of people who are willing to, when somebody comes for the first time, they're greeted 10 or 15 times and somebody checks on them during the week. I'm talking about a people who's faithful to love well. To faithful to obey the prompting of the Holy Spirit no matter what it sounds like. I was listening to a guy, actually it's Craig Rochelle a couple weeks ago. He said he and his wife were on vacation. They were in somewhere in another part of the world. I can't remember what part of the world. They were on an international vacation. So they went down to the beach. And uh, they were there. And he said, as they sat on the beach, they just got there. hadn't been there long. And he said, I had this prompting to call a friend of mine. This nudge in my spirit. He said, I argued with the Lord about it a minute, a minute or two. You know, he's like, oh, Lord, I just got down here to the beach. You know, he left his phone in the room. <laughs> so he's back in the room. And he's like, so he told his wife, he's like, I'm going back to the room. He's, she's like, why are you going back to the room? He's like, I got to call somebody. She's like, you, you know we're on the other side of the world, right? <laughs> he's like, I do. Goes to the room, calls this guy up, this guy that he knew, knew this guy well. And they'd, been, they'd been talking and working together and doing some things together. And he called him up and he said, hey, buddy, I just, I just needed to call you. I felt like, felt like I needed to call you. He said, man, why are you calling me? He said, I just felt like I needed to call you. It's like, dude, you know it's after midnight, right? It's like, oh, I'm on the other side of the world, man. <laughs> He's like, forgot about that. He's like, but for real, why, why, why'd you call me? He's like, I'm telling you, man, I just 
I'm sorry if this is a mess up, but I sense the Holy Spirit wanted me to call you. And the guy's like, well, and he knew what the guy had been going through. And he said, it's just a really hard night. He said, dude, do you have a gun? He said, I do. He said, dude, put the gun down and go to your neighbor's house. And I'm going to call them as soon as we hang up. And I'm going to make sure they come check on you. And he said, there's no way I could have known that. And he said, think about how awful it would have been if I had said no to that prompting of the Holy Spirit. He said, another time God prompted me. And he said, the next time you see your son, I want you to just go pray for him. Just pray out loud for him. And so he said, you know, it's not something he typically does at his house. But he said, next time he saw his son, walked in, got a bunch of his buddies around, all sweaty, stinky, 16-year-olds, been out playing basketball and that kind of thing. And he walked in and said, Stephen, I need to pray for you. I felt like God wants me to. Put his hand on his shoulder, prayed for him. And he said, just awkwardly walked out of the room. They awkwardly watched me walk out of the room. We've never mentioned it since. <laughs> now, here's the thing. If you're not if you've never had an awkward moment with Jesus, you're probably not following very closely. It's going to be some awkward moments here and there. And the thing is, we watch this, we are responsible for obedience. God is responsible for outcomes. Just obey. Just pre-decide when God prompts me. I'm going to do my best to obey. And here's the coolest thing, guys, that we'll close with. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, he is what? He's faithful. Every time you come to Jesus, he's been faithful then, and he'll be faithful now. Would you stand, please, with heads bowed and eyes closed? No one looking around. No one talking or moving as you talk to the Lord right where you're at right now. What is God saying to you this morning about being faithful with the people God brings to your life? About being faithful with the capabilities that you have in your life? About being faithful with the promptings and the nudgings of the Holy Spirit that God has called you to in your life? Growth in Christ and Christ's likeness and usefulness is, comes from faithfulness. Faithfulness. Lord, I pray. Thanking you that you're faithful to us. May we be faithful to you. And Lord, I pray beginning even now. We will look for ways to add value. Ways to encourage, bless, build up, benefit each other. Use our capabilities in ways that would bring glory to you and make this world a better place. And God, just to predecide whatever you say, as best I understand it, I'm going to do it, trusting the outcome to you. Trusting the outcome to you. Hands bowed, eyes closed.